Happy Resurrection Day. We are gathered here today to celebrate the greatest event in human history, the day when Jesus walked out of the grave. It's the day that changed everything. You know, I want to do a little bit of uh, crowd participation this morning. I want to do a little contest. You guys up for that? All right. So I'm going to divide you into three sections. You guys over here are section one. You guys are section two. You guys on the hill are section three. And I want to see who can, which section can yell the loudest, he is risen. All right. So when I point to you, I want you to yell as loud as you can, he is risen, and we'll go through this twice, all right? So you ready, section one? Here we go. Yeah. Woo, that was good. That was good. All right, you ready, section two? Yeah. Woo. You guys ready up on the hill? Here we go. Whoa, good job, you guys. One more time, section one. Yeah. <laughs> Section two. Yeah. Section three. Yeah. Nice, nice. Love it. Hey, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. You know, there are a lot of people today who are asking the question, what is next? When they look at our economy, they're asking, what's next? Are we headed for recession or recovery? When, when people are thinking about the presidency, they're, they're asking, they're wondering, what, what's next? Who are the candidates going to be? Even internationally, people are wondering, they're asking, what's next? I mean, there's been so much upheaval internationally over the last 12 months. You think about with Russia invading Ukraine, and then uh, we have uh, China threatening to invade Taiwan. There's the uh, Iran, oh, they're always doing this, threatening to invade Israel. But Israel's been threatening them back. And so everybody's been, been asking, what is next? What is going to happen? Where is all of this headed? And you know, we're going to answer some of these questions this Wednesday night at Calvary Vista for our prophecy update, where we're going to be talking about the international chaos that is happening and how it plays into the prophetic picture. That'll be at 6.30 this Wednesday night. But all over the world, people are asking the question, what is next? Well, on that very first Easter morning, the followers of Jesus, they were asking the same thing. What now? What's next? You see, they had devoted three years of their lives to following after Jesus. They thought that he was the long-awaited Messiah. They thought that he was the one who was going to restore Israel to its glory. He was the one that would make Israel great again. But their hopes and plans were dashed when they saw him arrested, and then they saw him beaten, and then they saw him crucified to that cross. They watched him die. And then they saw him taking off of that cross and put into a tomb. And they rolled this big stone across the tomb. And they could have just written on that stone the end. Because that's how they felt. They felt that it was over. That in just a few days, 
everything that they, all their hopes and dreams and everything that they had been hoping for came crashing down just like that. But you know what? The tomb was not the end of the story. Amen? Can you say that with me? Let's repeat that. The tomb was not the end of the story. One more time. The tomb was not the end of the story. Let's read Mark's account of what happened on that very first Easter morning. It says there in verse 1, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, pause there for just a moment. Those of you who know your Bibles, you know that in John chapter 20, we read about these two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They were secret disciples of Jesus. And Joseph was a very rich man. He owned a tomb in a beautiful garden. And uh, the tomb was big enough for his whole immediate family to be buried in. But he chose to have Jesus buried in this tomb. And so we, we read there in John 20 that Nicodemus and, and Joseph of Arimathea, they take the body of Jesus and they take all these anointing spices because that's what they did to the dead bodies. They would anoint them. And so they anointed the body of Jesus and before they put him in the tomb. But here we read that these women are coming on the very first Easter morning and they're coming to anoint the body of Jesus. So I just asked the question, if, if he was already anointed, why were these women coming and thinking that they needed to, you know, anoint the body again? And I can only think that the answer would be is the, the women thought, these are three women. The guys didn't get it right, right? <laughs> How many of you women know what I'm talking about, right? All right. <clears throat> Let's keep reading here in verse 2. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And this was a real realistic question because that stone that you can see, it was huge. It was like six feet tall and it was weighing several tons. It would take you know, several men to roll this into place. And so it was a, it was a very uh, real question. Verse four, but they looked up and they saw the stone that had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed, but he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. And so they went out quickly and went to the tomb, for they, they trembled, and they were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And when he arose early on the very first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had <clears throat> been with him as they mourned and wept. That was the disciples. And when they heard that he was alive, and he had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared... To another, in another form to two of them as they walked into the country. And they went and they told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Let's pause there. In the passage before us, this is what we're going to see today about the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to see how the resurrection of Jesus replaces fear, replaces guilt and shame with forgiveness, how it replaces hopelessness with hope. 
It replaces fear with power, guilt and shame with forgiveness, and hopelessness with hope. Let's pray together. Father, as we take this time now this morning to look at your word, to consider this monumental event, this event that changed everything when you walked out of the grave, Lord, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would just meet us right now in this place. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged as we consider what you did for us. And Lord, I pray for anybody here today that is not, doesn't know you or isn't walking with you. God, I pray today that their eyes would be open, that their hearts would be stirred, and that they would make that decision today to follow you as their Lord and Savior. So we give you this time now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So we see these women, they come to the tomb, and as they're going to the tomb, they're wondering who's going to move the stone away from the, the, the tomb for us. But they get there, and they find out that the stone was already rolled away. And I want you to note that the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The scriptures make it very clear. He was out already. What, what, what happened was the stone was rolled away to let the believers in, to let the skeptics in. It was, it was rolled away so that they could see and understand that Jesus was alive. You know, we, we saw today the testimony of Mark and the testimony of Jalisa. And in our text, we, we're, we see the testimony. We're going to consider the testimony of, of Mary Magdalene. We're going to consider the testimony today of Peter. We're going to consider the testimony of these two men on the road. And eyewitness testimonies in, in a court of law are very, very powerful. And you know, we could, if we had time today, we could talk about all the 11 of the disciples who saw him. We could talk about the 500 people who saw him at one time. In fact, there have been great legal minds like John Singleton Copley and Simon Greenleaf, men who were not believers in Jesus and began to study the evidence of the resurrection of Christ. And they came to the realization that, that there was no other explanation from the fact that the tomb was empty than the fact that Jesus was alive and that he was risen. So we're going to consider these three testimonies. We'll start with Mary Magdalene. We're told there in verse 9 that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. She was actually the first person who saw Jesus alive. And she's identified here as a woman of whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. Seven demons. I mean, one demon would be enough, right? She had seven. Mary's life was marked by chaos and evil. Her life was a life of a train wreck. It was a, a, a mess with a capital M. You know, Mary's life was a testimony of a statement that Jesus made in John 10 about the devil and what he likes to do to people's lives. He said, the devil is a thief and a robber who comes to kill and to rob and destroy. And he was destroying Mary's life at every single level. But Mary's life was completely transformed after she met Jesus. He cast the demons out of her. That demonic force and presence was gone. She was free. Her dignity was restored. She became a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And her life and follow after meeting Jesus was a, a testimony of this statement that Jesus made. He said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And Mary, after meeting Jesus, was a brand new person. She was a brand new woman. She was a testimony of the transforming power of Jesus. 
But now Jesus was dead. Now Jesus was gone. And no doubt there was a fear that filled her heart as she was wondering, will I be able to maintain this life without him? Or am I going to revert back to my old ways? Let's consider for a moment the testimony of Peter. We're told there in verse 7 that the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that he is alive. Now, why was Peter singled out from the other disciples? Was Peter no longer a disciple? Well, I think that's how Peter felt. You see, Peter, he tried so hard to please Jesus, but he was always falling on his face. Peter was a man who loved God. He loved Jesus. He was a fisherman before he he became a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't a very good one because every time that we read of him in the Bible and when he's fishing, he's never catching fish. His story is always the one of the one that got away. You know, that was Peter's story. But after meeting Jesus, he becomes a follower of Jesus. He begins to give his life to Jesus. But, but Peter was this guy who was just trying so hard always to please Jesus, but he was always falling on his face. For instance, there was the time when he accepted the invitation from Jesus to come and walk out on the water. And Peter gets out of the boat. He takes a few steps, but he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he ends up sinking. And then there was the time when Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem where he was going to be betrayed and he was going to be killed. And Peter, picture this, he pulls Jesus aside and says, Lord, don't talk like that. It's a real downer, you know? You're bumming us out. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. And, And that's not what you want Jesus saying to you, all right? You don't want Jesus calling you the devil, all right? But then there was that time when Peter swore On the night before Jesus would go to the cross, Peter swore, the rest of these guys, they might forsake you, Jesus, but not me. I'm willing to die for you. And Peter ends up, picture this, denying Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And after that, guilt and shame filled Peter's heart. Because the very thing that he promised that he was going to do, he didn't do. Have you ever made a promise to God that you didn't keep? I have many times. And remember the guilt and the shame that you felt because of that? After you broke that promise? Well, that's how Peter felt. Guilt and shame plagued his heart. What what was this going to be? how his life was going to be, was was this going to be the way his life ended? Would Peter, would he always be remembered as the guy who in the darkest moments of, of Jesus' life, he denied even knowing him? But I want you to note this. Our text says, the angel says, go and tell the disciples, and especially Peter, that Jesus is alive. The message was signaling this very important truth that our God is the God of the second chance. You see, the tomb was not the end of the story, and Peter's denial would not be the end of his story either. Peter's life would not be defined by his failure, and you know what? Your life doesn't have to be defined by your failure either. Now let's consider these two men that were on the road. Jesus meets these two guys, and they're in, we're told in verse 12, 
And this story, we actually are given the greater detail of this story in Luke chapter 24. It tells us that these guys were actually on the road leading to Emmaus. So they're going in the opposite direction of Jerusalem. So you could say these two guys are heading in the wrong direction. All the other disciples are in Jerusalem. Jesus has risen in Jerusalem, but these guys are going in the wrong direction. They're going in the opposite direction because they were hopeless. They were disillusioned. But I want you to note, Jesus goes after them. He goes after them. He chases them down. And Luke's text tells us that they didn't recognize Jesus. Jesus comes up to them and, and they're walking on the road and he joins in them and they don't know who he is. And he, and he says to them, hey, why are you guys so sad? You guys look bummed out. And they say, haven't you heard? Haven't you heard what happened to Jesus of Nazareth? And then they said this, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to come and restore Israel. We had hoped that he was the one who would deliver us from our oppressors. But the problem with these guys was this. They were only looking at things on the horizontal plane. Do you know that's a problem for us? We have a tendency to only see things on the horizontal and we need to get vertical. And these guys were only seeing what was happening horizontally. They were looking for someone to come and deliver them from the oppression of Rome that had a heavy hand upon their nation at that time. But get this, Jesus came to deliver them from a greater oppressor, the oppression of sin and shame and guilt and Satan. Jesus came to give the ultimate deliverance. You see, the Bible tells us that all of humanity, all of us have turned from God, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that every single one of us, we have broken God's standards and we've done it more than once. Listen, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. It's ingrained in us. And that has left us in bondage to sin, in bondage to our flesh, in bondage to our lust. But Jesus came to set man free from the bondage and the oppression of sin and shame and Satan. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I get an amen to that? But these guys didn't understand that. They didn't understand that this is what Jesus came to do. So they, they heard the news of how he was killed on Friday and buried in the tomb. And their hopes were dashed and their hearts were filled with doubt and disillusionment. And maybe your life has been marked by disillusionment that has led to hopelessness. Maybe it happened when God didn't answer a prayer that you prayed. Maybe it happened when he didn't answer the prayer the way that you thought that he should. I know that's happened to me many, many times where I thought God should move and work in this way and he didn't. And it can be frustrating. I'll admit that when God doesn't do that. Sometimes I don't understand that. Maybe for you it was a bad church experience where you just said, man, I'm done. I'm done with this church thing. Maybe it was the hypocrisy that you encountered in professed followers of Jesus. And so it made you turn away from Jesus and turn away from the church. And you've become that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter. I want you to know this, that Jesus, he hasn't given up on you. 
the risen Lord in the same way that he came after these men. He's coming after you and he's coming after you today because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And these two men on the road, they had a divine appointment that day with Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is here today and he wants to have a divine appointment with some of you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity and before we're done today, to respond to that invitation, that, that appointment. But these guys, they're walking down this road for seven miles from uh, Jerusalem to Emmaus, and Jesus joins them. And Luke tells us that as they're talking on the road, he's talking to them about all the Old Testament scriptures that they didn't understand that talked about how the Messiah was going to suffer, how he was going to die. You see, they didn't understand that there was going to be two comings of Messiah. His first coming, he would come as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. But his second coming, he's going to come as the Lion of the tribe of Judah to set up his kingdom. They were looking for that second coming. They missed the first coming. They didn't realize that he had come to pay the price for sin. But it says when they got to Emmaus that suddenly their eyes were open. They recognized that it was Jesus. And they they ended up running back to Jerusalem. They had a slow walk from Jerusalem, but they had a sprint all the way back. They're running back, and they tell the disciples, they go, hey, we, we saw him. Gee, it's real. He's alive. And then they said this, and didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened up the scriptures to us? And you know what? Some of you are in that place today. Your heart's burning right now. You're sensing something in your heart and you're wondering, what what is this? Why do I feel this way? I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesus. He's drawing you. It's his Holy Spirit convicting you. It's, It's Jesus stirring your heart and bidding you to come to him or to come back home to him because he loves you. He wants that relationship with you. I love the story about uh, when after the Civil War, when President Lincoln was asked by the Northerners, what are you going to do with those rebellious Southerners? And Lincoln said this, I'm going to treat them as if they never left. I love that. And you know what? That's our Lord's heart today. If you've left Jesus, if you walked away from Jesus, know this, he has never left you. He's been with you, drawing you, and he wants to restore you today and and complete that restoration in your life. And if you'll turn to him, know this, he's going to treat you as if you never left. Here's what I want you to see today, though. The stone that was in front of the tomb was not the only stone that was rolled away on that first Easter morning. Jesus moved the stone of hopelessness and disillusionment in the heart of these two men. You know, it's been said that a person can live 40 days without food and four days without water and four minutes without air, but he can't live four seconds without hope. And the stone rolled away from the tomb reminds us that there is hope today, that hope lives because Jesus is alive. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.27 that Christ in you, in your heart, is your hope of glory. Guys, we have so much to look forward to that Jesus has for us. So on that first Easter morning, Jesus also removed the stones of guilt and shame that were on Peter's heart. 
You know, Paul the Apostle said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. He says, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Do you realize that? If there's no resurrection, there's no point in us being here today. These songs that we've been singing, and wasn't the band awesome today? But these songs that we've been singing, they're just empty words. If Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. But the reality that the stone was rolled away, that Jesus, the tomb, his tomb was empty, that he is alive, that means that there is forgiveness. And the stone rolled away told Peter that forgiveness is possible, that the sins of our past don't have to define us. Jesus offers to us today this truth that our sins can be forgiven and they can be forgotten. That when you give your life to Jesus, when you confess your sin to him, your sins are gone. Can everybody say gone? That's what Jesus does. Forgiven and forgotten, completely cleansed. So Peter, he's given He's forgiven, he's restored, and he's commissioned by Jesus. Peter would learn, this is what he would learn after the resurrection, that following Jesus was not about his strength. It wasn't about him trying harder. It wasn't about him trying to be a religious person, but it was about surrender. And it's amazing that this guy who denied Jesus around a little fire, just a little group of people, 40 days later, he's standing up before 3,000 people, a crowd maybe even bigger than this, and he's declaring that Jesus is the Messiah, and he loves you, and he was crucified to pay the price for your sins, and if you'll turn from your sin and turn to him, he'll give you everlasting life. That's what happened to Peter. This guy who was a complete failure ends up being used mightily by God, and you know what? That can be your story, too. So the resurrection of Jesus removed the stone of hopelessness in the two men on the Emmaus road, that stones of disillusionment and hopelessness. It removed the stone of guilt and shame in the life of Peter and replaced it with forgiveness. But the stone that was rolled away also moved that stone of fear in Mary's heart. Because when Jesus meets Mary and she sees that he is alive, She understands that I'm going to make it because he's alive and he's living in me. And this is what the Bible tells us, that the power of the risen Jesus is now available to us. It's it's the same promise that that Jesus, the Bible makes to, to Mary, he makes to us that Jesus would say that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That means you're going to make it. That Jesus fills us with his resurrection power, that he is alive. You know, you can go to college today and take a class on comparative religion. But you know, there really is no comparative. Christianity is a superlative faith. Here's the facts. Confucius' tomb, it's it's, it's occupied. Buddha's tomb, occupied. Muhammad's tomb, occupied. Jesus' tomb, it's empty. And the empty tomb is a symbol of his victory. And the empty tomb is a symbol of our victory. And if you've ever wondered if I'm going to make it, the, listen, the resurrected Jesus says, 
you will because I'm with you and I'm in you. That's why the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that awesome? We're more than conquerors. Why? Because his power is made available to us that Jesus would say to all of us who are afraid, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And he wants us to stand on that today. I'm going to close with this. There's a lot of people today that are living with fear in their lives. I saw a survey recently that that said these are some of the things that men fear the most. This was one of the ones at the top of the list, that men are fearing the end of the world due to climate change. That kind of surprised me. A lot of people are afraid of that. Then there was the fear of not living up to my potential. There's FOMO. You know what that is? The young people do. Fear of missing out, right? That's all over social media. Like, oh no, they're having such a good time. I'm going to miss out. This was an interesting one. Fear of snakes and spiders. I'll be honest, I'm not a real fan of snakes and spiders, but I don't know if I'm afraid. But you know what the number one fear universally was this, the fear of death. The fear of where will I go when I die? Well, listen, Peter the apostle the one who was transformed because of the resurrection. He said this in 1 Peter 1, 3. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's saying, look, Jesus beat death so you don't have to fear death. Jesus beat death so that death doesn't have to beat us. He's given us a living hope, and this is why it tells us, it reminds us that the promises that Jesus made are true. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that his promises are real, that his promises are true. The promise of forgiveness of sin, the promise of freedom from guilt, the promise of abundant life, the promise that you can have, that you're going to make it, that Jesus is going to see you to the end. And this promise, the promise of victory over death, because Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. And you know what? That statement divides people into two groups. Those who have faith today and those who don't have faith. Those who believe and those who don't believe. Those who have hope and those who have no hope. And you know what? Every single one of us here, listen, almost done. Every single one of us here, we're going to die one day. The statistics on death are, are impressive. 10 out of 10, you know. We're all going to die, but here's the question. What happens after you die? There's only two choices. There's only two choices, eternal life or eternal death. These words were written on a tombstone in a cemetery Pause, stranger, when you pass by me. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Well, a Christian was passing by and wrote a little sign and placed it next to that tombstone that said this, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went.
Hey, you want to know with a certainty that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Jesus made this promise. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That's it. He said, There's, I'm not a way, I, I am the way, the only way. And he promises heaven. In heaven, we get new bodies. It's going to be amazing. The Bible says that heaven is so incredible that human words cannot even describe what it's like there. In fact, if we, you know, my dad, he, he passed away in uh, 2020. He's in heaven. I miss him every day. Let's say today I could call my dad. Let's say I could just get a direct line to heaven. I get him on the phone. I'm like, dad, man, I miss you. Man, I, I, I just, I wish, I wish you could come back and see us. He'd hang up on me. Like, I'm not going back there. No, I just I want to make sure you come here. I want to see, I want to make sure that you you make it. That that's if you have a loved one who's in heaven today, that's what they're desiring. They they want to know that you are going to make it. And Jesus says, This is how you can know. It's by believing in me, it's putting your faith and your trust in me. The Bible says it's been appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. Every single one of us is going to stand one day before God and we're going to have to answer the question, what did you do with my son? Did you believe in him? Did you put your faith in him? Or did you reject him? And listen to me, there is no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus. Sometimes people think that. They think they can be neutral when it comes to Jesus. No, there's no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus. Jesus said you're either for me or you are against me. So the question is this, what's next? What's next for you, eternal life or eternal death? The choice is up to you. Do you want to know for certain that you'll go to heaven when you die? Jesus says, I'm the way. Believe in me. Believe that I died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And I rose again to give you life. Put your faith in me. Jesus stands at the door of our hearts now, knocking. And the question is, will you open the door of your heart to Jesus? What's next? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for the reality, for the truth, the miracle that you are risen, that you beat death, that you walked out of the grave. And because you beat death, death doesn't have to beat us. Lord, we thank you that because of your resurrection, we know that our sins can be forgiven, that our guilt can be removed, that we can be set free We're thankful, Lord, that that in you, because you are risen from the dead, that we have a living hope that replaces our hopelessness. And Lord, I pray for anybody here today that doesn't know of that life, of that hope, of that forgiveness, that today they would open up their hearts to you. I'd like us just to keep our head bowed and our eyes closed right now. Maybe you're here today and your life has been marked by failure. Sin and shame 
plague your heart because you know you've made a mess of your life. Listen, the risen Savior offers to you today forgiveness of sin. He offers to you today freedom from your guilt. The risen Savior, Jesus, today wants to give to you a new start. He wants you to have that assurance of eternal life. He wants you to experience his abundant life that starts right now in walking and living with him. Maybe you're here today and like Peter, you have been a religious person. That you have sought to follow after God and do the right thing. But if you're honest, you realize that you have not been good enough. You realize that there's that, that shame that fills your heart because you know that you, you haven't followed God's standard. You see, the Bible says that none of us are righteous enough. That's why Jesus had to come. That's how he, why he had to die. You know that you failed. And listen, you have religion, but what Jesus wants is a relationship with he wants to come into your heart. He wants you to put your faith in him. He wants you to put your, your faith and trust in what he did, not your own religious works. And so Jesus wants to come into your heart today and fill your life with his love and his hope and give you a new purpose. Finally, maybe you're here today and you're like those two men on the road. That you've been going in the wrong direction. You've walked away from Jesus. You've walked away from the people of God. You've been disillusioned by that bad church experience or hypocrisy. Listen, Jesus would say to you today, get your eyes off of people because they're always going to let you down and get your eyes on me because I'm faithful. And I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And Jesus is calling you today to come back into relationship with him. And he's going to treat you like you never left. He's going to restore that relationship with him. And he's been tugging on your heart all morning long. And so if you're here today and you are ready to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something really, really simple. It's something that most of us here in this amphitheater have done. I'm going to ask you in just a moment as the band begins to lead us in a song to get up out of your seat and come stand down front here so I can pray with you. What you're doing today is you're getting out of your seat and you're making a public declaration. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want my guilt removed. I want to have that assurance of heaven. You're making a declaration. I've been living for myself, but no more. I want to live for Jesus. I want to follow after him. Why, why, why get out of your seat? Why come publicly? Because when Jesus called people, he always called them publicly. Jesus said, if you profess me before men, I will profess you before my father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father who is in heaven. And listen. I'm asking you to get up out of your seat and come and stand up front here today so I can lead you in a prayer of surrendering your heart to Jesus. And I'm asking you to do that in a, before a crowd of people who love Jesus, who want to celebrate with you. And I'm asking you to do it in front of this crowd so tomorrow you can do it in front of a crowd out in the world that doesn't love Jesus. 
You see, this is the starting point. Jesus wants to touch your life. He wants to give you that hope. So I want to encourage you now, as the band begins to lead us in this song, if you're ready today to open up your heart to Jesus, you want to receive his forgiveness, you want to have that hope of eternal life, you want to know you're going to heaven when you die, or if you're here today and you know that you've been going in the wrong direction, you've walked away from Jesus, and you, you realize that he's alive and he wants to live in me, and you're ready to give your life to him and to really follow him with everything right now, I want you to get up out of your seat and come stand down front here as the band begins to play. Jesus loves you. He's calling you. He wants to work. 
in your heart, in your life. If you're, if you're up on the hill, it's okay. We'll wait. <clears throat> We're going to sing through that chorus again. And I believe there's a, a few more of you here today that God's tugging on your heart right now. Come. Come and join these men and women today. Some of you are, th- are thinking, you're saying, if, if he gets up there and says, you know, here's your second chance. Well, here it is, okay? We're going to play this through one more time. You come. counselors are going to come up and and they're just going to stand behind you guys. So if you counselors want to start making your way up and they just want to pray over you as well. But I want you guys to pray this prayer, repeating after me, meaning this with all of your heart. And it's this prayer of just you surrendering your life to Jesus today. So would you guys pray with me and just pray out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. I admit, God, I've been going my own way. But I want to follow after you. Fill me with your resurrection power. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my guilt. Take away my shame. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Jesus. So I'm giving my life to you today fully and completely. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, just hold tight here for one second. Listen. We're going to just be going for a little bit, a few more minutes here. We want everybody that came forward, we want to have you guys go up to the, where it says world's best grilled cheese. We're not giving you grilled cheese. We're, but we want, to, we want to make sure you have a Bible. We want, to make, we want to give you a couple of things that are going to really help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. So if you could just begin to walk this way. We're going to sing a couple more songs so your friends will wait. So all you guys just start walking that way. And uh, Eric, raise your hand. Eric, raise your hand. Follow Eric right there. Just go ahead and follow you counselors. Just walk with them. We just want to take a few minutes of your time to just really give you some some things that are going to help you walk and grow with Jesus. God bless you guys. Let's hear it for all these guys that came forward today. Hey, for the rest of you, we're not done yet. I don't want you to leave. I think the Lord has something else for us today. So just hold tight for for a couple minutes. Because I think the Lord has something for those of you here today that are believers. You are followers of Jesus. But I believe that there are stones. There's still stones that Jesus wants to remove today. I believe Jesus is in this place. Amen? He's with us in this amphitheater. And I think that, that there are in, in hearts, there's been some things in, you're, you love Jesus, you follow Jesus, but there's been some things in your life that have been hindering you from being able to really walk with him the way that you want to. I think there's some stones today of some tension in marriages. And I think Jesus wants to remove those stones today. That he wants to give life to those marriages. I believe that there are some stones today of discouragement. That you've just been really, really down, really, really discouraged, even even battling depression. And I believe today Jesus, he wants to remove that stone. He wants to meet you today. I even think there's somebody here that you've actually been thinking about committing suicide. That's how bad that it's been for you. And Jesus is saying to you, hey, I love you. I'm for you. That's the voice of the enemy. And he wants to meet you today. I believe there are some that are here battling just stones of anxiety that you've just been stressed out. And Jesus today, he wants to just meet you. He wants to free you today. I believe there's some stones today of just physical ailment that people are battling with. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song. And if there's something in your life, and maybe it's not something that I mentioned, but you something you know, it's a barrier, it's a weight, it's something that just is hindering you in your walk with Jesus. I want you to also, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you just to come forward. And our elders and pastors are going to come up and I want to just pray over all of you that, that are battling a stone today that you need the risen Jesus to remove in your life today, that you need freedom, you, you need 
joy. You, you need him to meet you and touch you. You've been struggling. So again, we've never done this before, but God really put this on my heart that he wanted to do, that he wanted us to do this today. So don't, don't be shy. It's just, we're family. And it's just admitting, yeah, I've got a struggle and I believe Jesus is risen and I believe that he can, can free that. And I believe he wants to do that today, right now. So as we sing this next song, I want to encourage you just to get up out of your seat and come. And I'm just going to pray over all of you who are battling that today. So let's do that. Let's come, all right? Jaira, and you 
Lord, we do. We believe that you are enough. I'd like for all of you who came forward, just to, if you're comfortable doing this, just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Our pastors and elders, if you guys can just come and get around these guys. And those of you in there sitting, just stretch your hands out toward our brothers and sisters. Jesus, we believe that you are alive, that you have risen, that you are the one who still moves stones. God, I pray today for these brothers and sisters who have made themselves vulnerable and have come up front and have said, I I have a stone that I I need removed. Jesus, we know that these challenges, these things that are such a challenge for us are nothing for you. So Lord, I pray that you would remove today in hearts those stones of discouragement and depression. I pray, God, that you would remove the stones of of the tension that has been in, in marriages. Lord, heal those relationships today. God, I pray that you would just supernaturally flood over these hearts with your love and that would just increase in their love for one another. God, I pray that you would remove the stones today of bitterness and unforgiveness. I pray, God, that you would remove the stones, those barriers in our life of pride, of guilt, of shame, of condemnation. Lord, you tell us that in Christ there is no condemnation. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move that. Lord, I pray for those who are up here because they have some type of physical infirmity. Lord, we know that you are alive, that you touch, that you heal. And so, God, we pray today that you would touch and that you would heal our brothers and sisters. God, we are asking and praying right now for miracles. We're praying, God, that you would move in power. As as these men and women have humbled themselves before you, God, I pray that you would just pour your grace out upon them now. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom. We thank you, God, for the release. We thank you, Lord, for your touch. And Lord, I pray that you would just help these precious brothers and sisters now to walk in that freedom that they have in you as you have met them here today. And we believe that, Lord, with all of our hearts. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you guys.